0: Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that we can come and worship and be in your presence. Father, be with Brother Lee as he brings your word today. God, open our eyes, open our ears and our hearts so that we can receive your word. Father, we love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. Amen. Amen. Kyle shared the scripture we're going to use today. We're going through verse by verse in Romans. Romans 8, verses 28 is our next verse. We saw last week uh, that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For an example, we don't know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit comes, and with groanings too deep to uh, explain, the Holy Spirit works, and he aligns our hearts in harmony with the heart of God. And so in verse 28, And we know, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And we know, and we know, that's important. And we know. Paul is referencing here not just knowledge of the mind, but knowledge of the heart that comes with experience. Paul had experienced the truth that all things work for the good of those that love God and who are called according to his purpose. Paul had lots of problems. Paul had lots of tribulations. Paul had lots of trials. Paul was able to move forward because he had the understanding that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So he knew. And we need to know. It's good to know what you know. It's good to really rely on what you know for sure. And as we've been saying every Sunday, as you take a look at these verses, you can spend your time thinking about what you don't know, thinking about unanswered questions, or you can rest in, you can camp on the things that you know. And we know these things. There's no question about this, Paul is telling us here in Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, so we know that this working of all things for the good of those that love God, that it's a conditional promise. It's not for everybody. Uh, Be real careful with your encouraging people who are unbelievers that God works for the good uh, for those that uh, uh, are in unbelief because God doesn't. God doesn't work in all things for those who are at unbelief, but for those who love God, we have this promise, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. Now, all things. That's an important verse of scripture here. That's an important phrase. That's something for us to really rest on it here. All things. We have trouble with all things. We think that God can work this out because this is a small problem, But God can't work this other thing out because it's a big problem. With God, there are no problems that are too big for him. There are no issues that are too small for him to concern himself with. For we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And so all things, we have to keep that in mind. All things for those who are called, who are called according to his Purpose. So we have a wonderful promise of Scripture here. I would, I would imagine that we probably say that Scripture more than we believe that Scripture. I would probably think that a bit too many times when someone's going through a hard time, we always think, we always say, we encourage with the words, you know, that for those that love God, all things work together for good. Now, we know for sure that the good that God has is much better than the good that we can dream up, the good that we can manufacture, the good that we can dream. All things work for the good. His way is always right, and his ways are always best. He may not have the same desires that we have. We may not have the same desires that, that he has for our life, but we need to keep in mind that God's way is always best for us. So this is what we know, and we know, what do we know? We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. It doesn't matter how upside down you are, it doesn't matter how difficult times are, it doesn't matter how far it looks to be the end of the tunnel, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't matter if the, if the mountain looks too tall for us to be able to climb up and get on the other side and get beyond these life problems, that if we'll trust him, if we will agree with him, if we will be faithful to him, if we'll continue to worship him, if we'll continue to be in him and follow him, that God is going to work in all things for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So that's a wonderful promise. That is a verse of scripture about possibilities. Possibilities. Always begin there. You're going through a hard time. You're going through a problem. There are possibilities for you. There are possibilities for me. There are supernatural possibilities. Man, it's been a tough week, hasn't it? I I thought, God, you sure have a sense of humor. Here I am going through Romans chapter 8, and here I am huddled with Susan and Amy in front of the fireplace trying to stay warm and and the only fun i was able to have with the, was to look at the thermometer inside the house and and try to calculate just how cold it was going to be in that house and and to go through this and but yet playing over and over and over and over our mind was this thought for those that love god we know this for those that love god god is always working in all things for the good, for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. I also had the thought, I've always wanted to see what life was like in Texas in the 1800s and got a small dose of it. <laughs> got a small dose of it this past week. Let me tell you what verse 28 says to us. In application, take home with you. Here's what you take home with you, for, home with you about verse 28. Believers have to believe. Believers have to believe. If we're not careful, we consider believing for salvation only. And we don't apply the idea of believing God in all things beyond salvation. Certainly, we believe God for salvation. That's how we believe. That's how we are saved. Uh, that's how we are made right with God is through belief. We're going to talk more about that belief in just a moment. But verse 28 in this wonderful scripture, in verse 28, it talks about possibilities, that talk about purpose, that talk about God working in all things. Believers have to believe. you got to believe God. you got to believe God for today. You've got to believe God for tomorrow. You've got to believe God when you're upside down. You got to believe God when things aren't going well for you. You've got to believe God in illness. You got to believe God in financial problems. You got to believe God when there's relational issues. You got to believe God when you're having problems with people. You got to believe God when business is not going well. You got to believe God when, when there's so much corruption going on in our world. I mean, really and truly, y'all, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's not really a good, good use of time, and, and I have to really guard myself with this, to sit around and, and think about what all is wrong with society today and focus on those ills and not believe God. You see, if, if things continue to get worse, If things continue to get worse with our government, with our leadership, with all that's going on in our world, in society, with all the craziness that's going on. I mean, I'm here to tell you that it just absolutely blows my mind that people want boys to run track against girls. I can't, I can't, I don't understand that. I mean, I can't think of one boy in my growing up days that would have done that because of what the rest of us would have done about that. I mean, dude, you feel good about beating girls? Nothing against girls now. But if a guy ran a track meet against a girl and won, we just go, and he was bragging about it, and he got up on the number one with his medal and saying, "Lo, look at me. I'd go, dude, dude, what's wrong with you? There's an issue here, but things have really changed, I guess. And, 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 and I have to force myself to understand that obviously people think differently about stuff than I do, and they feel like this is really important. And I'm going, how can it be important? I mean, we got a major, major problem here, right? And, and as Christian people with, with, with convictions about right and wrong, with convictions about morality, we are going to have to learn to believe god in all things more and more and more as time goes on so instead of complaining believe god we got to believe god when things are seemingly upside down verse 29 so believe god keep on believing keep on trusting see what god's going to bring about verse 29 for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. For those whom he foreknew, so that scripture, that phrase means that God knew who were going to believe in him. God knew who his people were going to be. He says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son and so we understand to be conformed to the image of His son that that God foreknew he predestined those that he foreknew to be conformed to the image of God's son we understand that that God's desire is that his people will live like Jesus conformed to the image of his son we are to take on His thoughts, we are to take on His behavior. We are to take on what Christ was like. We are to think like Christ. We have to, have, we have to care about the same things that Jesus cared about. But all oh, this predestined thing, what a twist that's been in theology circles of the church for long, long, long time. So this is what we know, a very simple approach to this. For those whom He foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And so Christ is gonna pave the way. The, The desire that God has for us is that as time goes on, we are conformed to the image of Christ. He foreknew that, he knew before the foundation of the world, He had that in mind. He also predestined that. So what in the world does that mean? He foreknew and he also predestined. Now, there are people that believe that God chose who would be saved and who would not be saved. That's predestination. On the opposite view of that, no, 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 no. People choose to believe or not to believe. And so we look at this and, and we see that in one verse, some people will take the word for new and they will embrace for new and not brace predestination, or they will brace predestination and not embrace for new. Okay? Either it is true that Believers choose to believe, or it is true that believers who are chosen believe, or both are true. Either one is true, one or the other, or perhaps both is true. Now, I don't believe that from our way of working that both is true. I don't believe we can comprehend that. But from God's perspective, I certainly believe that there's a real possibility that both could be true. That from God's perspective, from God's point of view, after all, it is God's business. Salvation is God's business. And when Jesus taught in John chapter 3 about salvation, he said, You don't understand this. You don't understand how the wind blows. You don't understand how this works. I mean, you are blown away by the snake on the pole in the wilderness. And you had no idea about that and so it's very possible that the salvation that we enjoy today that we celebrate today is something that you and i on this side of eternity will never be able to fully understand but we most certainly learn to enjoy and embrace and celebrate and so either we are chosen or we choose or it's both either case, it's God's business. It's God's business. In either case, it is family business. You've been to some family reunions, and there are things that only the family talk about. Right? Uncle Paul? Only the family talks about Uncle Paul only the family are able to address the different problems that uncle paul had in his life now i had an uncle paul and i'm willing to guarantee that each one of you have an uncle paul and only family discuss uncle paul it's not for people out there to understand it's not for people to understand What if we can't understand, if we are the chosen or we are the choosers, if we are the people of God, if we're the people who have been saved and who are believing and we've been born again and we have an awareness of what it means to be in God, that we don't understand that, it's not for just world's conversation because they will not understand. Calvinism or Arminianism. Now let me just share with you the five different things about that and very quickly go through that and see how we can be polarized about this. In Calvinism, Calvinism came first. Total depravity. Man is dead spiritually without being born again. And without being born again, man is an enemy of God. Unconditional election. He chose the people that would be in him. Unconditional election. So he elected people, God did, without any conditional put on them. Limited atonement. Jesus died for everyone. He only died for the chosen. And so only the people who were chosen did he die for. And so it's limited atonement, not for all. Irresistible grace. John Calvin believed that God's grace cannot be resisted. So if someone is chosen by God to be one of God's people, predestined to be God's child, then there's not anything that guy can do about that. Irresistible grace. Now I like the idea of irresistible grace. I think it, it, it speaks to the power of God, but there's some issues with it for sure. And then preservation of the saints. God preserves his people so they can never be lost. So once they're chosen, they're in, they're done. Now some people take that Calvinistic approach to an extreme, and they never follow the Great Commission. They never share the gospel with the people because why? Because if God's already done all this, then there's there's nothing to share. Others say, oh yes, there is. There's is to glorify God. But I'm okay, I'm okay with that part. I'm okay, I'm not okay with not sharing the good news because of of, of uh, irresistible grace and a limited atonement and unlimited election uh, but if you're sharing the good news with people to glorify god the work gets done right and that's good to go now arminius about 150 years later he gives his five point idea about this predestination thing or this god foreknew number one salvation is conditioned by faith of people okay now he's looking at whosoever believes for god so loved the world he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will have eternal life will not perish the atonement is for all people but it's limited only to those who believe okay many man uh, cannot save himself arminius believed he cannot save himself by the energy of his own free will Because if God doesn't draw people, then they can't be drawn. All right? So you can see the subtle differences between what Arminius put together and what Calvin put together. The next thing that Arminius believed that man may resist the Holy Spirit. So you have man cannot resist the Holy Spirit, and man may resist the Holy Spirit. Well, those are two different things. And the fifth point is, is, um, believers may resist sin by grace, but they can lose their salvation. They can forsake God. So you can see how these two different theologies, how they can clash, how it can be a problem. And in today's world, in the body of Christ, there are churches that are only Calvinists or only Arminian and john macarthur calvinism right greg laurie Arminian, arminia he's an arminius all right greg laurie likes open air billy graham type crusades to give people a chance to believe right john macarthur believes that it needs to come a different way and since you can't resist the irresistible grace of God, then you can go about that evangelistic work in a completely different way. Both believe in evangelism, but their theology is going to take up a different form. Okay? And there's a whole lot of people in between. There's a whole lot of people that look at this and go, maybe these are things that we just can't be absolutely dogmatic about But we need to do the things that God wants us to do. So for me personally, here it is. Share the gospel to see who God's chosen, who's going to choose. There you go. Have an open air crusade if the Lord leads you to. Let's see who God's chosen or who's going to choose God. Share the gospel every way you have, every chance you have. Why? See if there's irresistible grace because if there really truly is irresistible grace i'm for some of it because i've shared the lord with people and 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 either they haven't been chosen or they have no no desire to want to believe in him and so I've shared Christ with people and, man, they come along and they are so gung-ho and they are so soaking up the possibility of salvation and grace and faith and forgiveness and redemption that, man, they just swallow it, tail and fin and everything. And then I've had other people that just go, nah, I got it too good. I'm living a good life. I got the big truck, big house, beautiful family. I don't need that in my life. So when I'm looking at this thing from a practical viewpoint, I see irresistible grace, and I see that man can resist the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing thing to give a gospel uh, invitation in Cambodia and see what happens. I would go now in Cambodia, there's irresistible grace, but not in the suburbia lands of Texas. And so I'm going, it's, it's Calvinism there, but not here. As I look at that. But, but here's something that I want, I want you to take home from, from this conversation. Don't want to bore you completely to death with all this. But here's the deal. There's something that's much worse than not agreeing about whether or not you're the Arminian or the Calvinist. There's something far worse than that. You know what it is? Rejecting Christ as Lord and Savior and dying in unbelief. That's the worst thing that could ever happen. There's nothing worse than that. And and for me personally, I'm going, God's people, don't sit around and argue about this subject. Share the gospel with people. And see whether or not they choose or God's chosen them. It's God's business and not ours. God's business. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That just means Jesus leads the way. We become like him. So, predestined. Either we choose or we've been chosen either case celebrate your salvation celebrate it were you chosen i must have been Chosen's a family deal. God chose me because I believed. Did you choose? I did choose. What did you choose? I choose to believe in him. What called you to Christ? I don't know. I might've been chosen and I might've chose him. Regardless, I am in Christ. I've been forgiven and I'm here to tell you I'm born again and saved and I've got eternal life going for me. And so instead of arguing about how it got there, just celebrate that you got there. That you know God, that you're in Christ. So we've got possibilities. And we've got predestination. And then in verse 30, we've got wonderful, wonderful position. Verse 30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And so people argue about that right there. Spend all day long discussing that. Good, but... Those he chose, he also called. And you got to choose to receive the call or there's no choosing, it's irresistible. Regardless, isn't God amazing that he makes it happen? And those he predestined, he also called and those whom he called, he also justified and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, called justified and glorified, each are past tense. And so from God's point of view, it's as if it's already happened, because from God's point of view, it's already happened. We are called. He knows. We are called. We have received. We have accepted. We are born again. He is called. We've accepted his call. From God's point of view, it's past tense. Justified. Man, justified is a great word justified means that we are right with God and it's if as though we've never been wrong with God the man you talk about a guilt remover think about that for a moment being right with God and as if we've never been wrong with God that man that put a jig in your step wouldn't it I mean that ought to cause a little dancing in the Baptist church Ought to, doesn't, but ought to. I mean, that should cause some sway a little bit. That should cause some blues and some, some little jig going on. I'm right with God, and it's as if I've never been wrong with God. I'm right with God, and it's just like from God's perspective that I've never, ever, ever been wrong with God, even though I know how wrong I've been. Even though I know how evil I can be, even though I know how dark I've been in my life, I've been born again. I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. He has called me, and I am right with Him as if I've never, ever been wrong with Him. What does that do about guilt and shame? Oh, man, it sweeps it away. It's as far as the east is from the west. Shame's a deal breaker, isn't it? There's a lot of shame going on in the world today. It's unnecessary for those that believe. Because there's no more shame for those who believe. Because from God's perspective, and that's what matters, we're completely right with him, and as if we've never been wrong with him. And then glorified. We are glorified now from God's perspective. Now, when we go to heaven, when we go to heaven, we are going to be completely fulfilled in that glorification status, that condition. But you remember... A foretaste of glory divine here. A little glory every now and then here. We are glorified from God's perspective. So we got to believe. We've got to believe. we got to believe. Believers, got to believe. If you're stuck in a rut, believe. Believe what you know. What do we know? God works for the good in all things. For those that love Him are called according to His purpose because God foreknew and predestined you and me to be conformed to the image of his son. And here's what you need to take home with you then, he says. Live this out now. Live the heaven now. Live the accomplishment now. Live the complete fulfillment now. Called, justified, and glorified. Man. A foretaste of glory divine. Heir of submission, purchased by God. Born of His Spirit. Washed in His blood. What does that mean? Called, justified, glorified. Ain't we got it good? Ain't we got it good? Help me. I'm enjoying today. There's nobody here last week, and I was all by myself in here. <laughs> That's lonely. That's not the way God desired it to be. Y'all, we are living in the time of detours. Living in the time of detours. Last January, 2020, Lee Brewer had three things that he was going to do to be a better pastor. I was convinced it's what God wanted me to do. It's doing the same thing. It's with more intensity. Going to increase the dosage. I had had these ideas, and we were going to do all this stuff. We were going to really just just jump outside the walls of this church and do evangelism and discipleship and, and one of us be on time for church and understand the importance of that and and that gum virus came and made me detour man and here another detour hits us this past week another detour i mean didn't you kind of have the idea god what's going on up there are we getting a little Job assignment here? You know? Detour, detour, detour. You think you're going to serve me. You think you're going to do it this way. You think these are your dreams. These you thinks this is your vision. This is, you think this is what I'm going to do. But you don't understand that, that things are about to happen in your world that's going to be beyond your experience. And the word unprecedented is, is going to be the word unprecedented unprecedented i'm so tired of hearing unprecedented so what do you do in an unprecedented time what do you do when things are tossy-turvy what do you do when everything is upside down you believe you believe you believe you trust god you believe you believe you believe god you believe that he's at work in all things I mean, you just live to glorify him. That's where we're at. That's where we're at today. I don't know what tomorrow holds. After this past week, I I don't know. I mean, there may be a big earthquake happening between here and Weatherford and Hudson Oaks is gone. That's where I live. But if it starts splitting apart, I'm riding that puppy down to see where it goes. Because it's unprecedented and I'm going to make the most of it believe believers got to believe amen Amen. thanks for coming today we got water you can use the bathroom as you leave (laughs) I walked in the bathroom this morning and someone was in the in the stall over there I said you got a bucket of water over there I don't know who it was but he yelled back do I need one (laughs) yeah there's no water in the church we got I said they didn't stop me from using the bathroom though he said, All right, it works. Oh, good. Oh, look at there. One as big a detour as I thought. I really was looking forward to everybody coming up here with that water and using the bathroom because we really are family. And you're used to it this week. How many of y'all use the bathroom family together, right? <laughs> right? Yes, I diverged. <laughs> Got going. Good to see y'all here today. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for verse 28. Help us to believe. Just burn it in our soul today, in our spirit, in our mind, that we got to believe. Lord, just show us from verse 29 that however our salvation happened, you are to be celebrated, worshiped. And Lord, help us to live that verse 30 life now, to celebrate, to live out that we are called that we are justified, that we're glorified. And Lord, just that idea that ain't we got it good, just burn that in our hearts. Put it in proper English for those who need that. And may, Lord, you just just burn in our spirit that believers have got to believe. And let's live that out today, this week. In Jesus' name, amen.